At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Long Shots, VEASAN's premier golf betting podcast. Here's Matt Brown, Wes Reynolds, and Kelly Bidlin. Welcome to Long Shots Ryder Cup Edition. Kelly Bidlin here alongside Wes Reynolds. Uh, we will be talking through everything Ryder Cup for this week. Uh, Wes, it's been a couple weeks since we talked, man. It feels like it's been a year since we've been heavily betting golf this past season. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, just trying to get used now because used to the uh, sleep schedule has to change, obviously, with <laughs> right. these matches. Being in the morning, I got a little preview of that with the uh, Solheim Cup uh, on the ladies' side last week. Uh, the Europeans, by the way, do retain the cup 14-14 to tie USA and Europe. So, you know, that we'll get to a little bit later in terms of different markets for that. So, you know, when you're betting three-way markets, there's a couple different markets. There's to win the actual cup, which nobody did in the Solheim Cup last week. And then there's to lift the trophy, which means to retain the cup, essentially. And right now, Team USA, of course, is the defending champions of, of this event, uh, having won 19-9 uh, in 2021 at Whistling Straits. So... You know, it's 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 going to be, I, I think, a very competitive event. And uh, yeah. we've certainly seen a lot of action based on when we were monitoring the prices over the summer and saw what a big underdog the Europeans were mm-hmm. on European soil. Keep in mind, the Americans have not won on European soil in 30 years. That was 1993 at the Belfry in England, the last time an American team has won a Ryder Cup over in Europe. So we've seen the Europe's they were bigger underdogs. It was like, okay, who's going to be on this team. And now all of a sudden the, the market, uh, you know, really over the last probably two or three months, Kelly has been all Europe. So now you're seeing team USA at a very paltry price. You shall say to uh, win the Ryder cup. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been really interesting to see how these odds have shifted just on the, on the basic, you know, overall to win uh, either on the two way or the three way line, how they've shifted over the summer. Like, like you talked about, I think that, you know, if it was if it was early in the summer or even, you know, last spring or whatever, I think I'd be sitting here making a very, very hard case for for the USA side. I think that we that we got into a you know a a time probably around the open championship uh you know from then on where I think there was probably some good value on Europe. And now we've got to hit the point where hey, we're right before the tournament and I didn't get involved at all uh from that from a side perspective and I don't really know 
Uh, if anything, I'm going to say it's probably swung too far and there might be a little bit more value on the USA side right now. The current odds at DraftKings on the three-way line. And this is important because, Wes, you just brought up with the Solheim Cup. What happened there? And so on the three-way line, you have USA minus 110, Europe plus 115, and then a tie 10 to 1 to lift the trophy, USA minus 140, Europe plus 115, that USA number a little bit higher there because, Wes, right, if you have a tie, they yeah. re- they retain the trophy. So And it was, so, it was so weird, by the way, watching that. And I had seen it before, but watching the Solheim Cup on, yeah. uh, on Sunday, Europe, uh, the European ladies got to 14, which meant they were going to retain. And it was a celebration. It was jubilation. Everybody goes on the green, all the congratulations and whatnot. When there was still, by the way, one pending match, uh, uh, Lexi Thompson and Emily Peterson were still on the course. And, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you keep the cup, which I guess is is the name of the game, but you didn't really win. And I, I think even a couple of the announcers on the broadcast were like, yeah, this is kind of weird because you didn't <laughs> win the Solheim Cup. Right. But yeah. you get to keep it. But 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 that's but that's the way the rules are. And I know everybody has always has an idea where we don't like ties. And I was kind of like, hey, let the captains play it off. You know, let, <laughs> yeah, let I'm Suzanne Pedersen and Stacey Lewis play it off, you know, or if this happens on the men's side, let Zach Johnson and Luke Donald play it off or something like that. But I like it. Or a cl- closest to the pin or something. Who knows? Yeah, we, we could yeah. come, it's golf. We could always come up with something creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so just to walk you guys through what we're looking for, uh, looking like for the daily schedule for the Ryder Cup, you're going to have uh, all played out Friday through Sunday of this week. Obviously, this will be played in Rome, uh, Italy at Marco Simone Golf Club. Uh, Wes is going to give us a beautiful, beautiful verbal tour of that uh, upcoming. But uh, you're going to have session one Friday morning. That is for foursome matches. And then in the afternoon, you will have four four ball matches. Session three, Saturday morning, four foursome matches. Session four, Saturday afternoon, four four ball matches. Session five, then Sunday morning is when you're going to have all the singles matches for everybody out there uh, who might not know. Four ball is when every player will play their own ball. Best score wins the wins the hole. Obviously, best uh, score then for the uh, for the round. That team wins a point. Uh, you get a half a point if you tie. Foursomes is when they will alternate. Uh, this same ball hitting uh hit, hitting the same ball. Uh, so Wes, we, I talked a little bit about uh about the course and the club that we're going to see in Rome. T- you did a great job writing up for VC.com like you do each and every golf tournament uh, preview of this golf course. Walk us through the things that kind of stood out and what we're really going to be factoring in and we go to handicap this. Yeah, this is a familiar course, by the way. If you do follow the DP World Tour, this is where the Italian Open is played annually. Certainly has been over the last three years. Uh, uh, Marco Simone, uh, uh, 10 miles from the center of Rome. And... You know, you're going to see it. It's basically it was named after a castle, which was a Roman um, fortified manor farm. Uh, The course was built in 1989. It I think the listed yardage is like 7181, but it could play like I think it was 7255 for the Italian Open earlier Mm -hmm. this year. Par 71 here. The closing hole is actually the longest on the golf course, a par five, six twenty six. So you are going to have, you know, I think what what they wanted to build 
to a climactic finish. Uh, one of the things about this course, and and Stuart Sink, actually, I read an interview with him. He's one of the vice captains for uh, Zach Johnson on the Team USA side, and he said this is probably one of the more physical demanding courses because you have a lot of elevation. You have a lot of mountainous rolling terrain uh, on this course. So, you know, you're going to have to deal with the physicality of the round and it is going to be a little bit difficult. So your endurance, you're going to have to be in shape, uh, you know, which you assume these guys are, they played full golf seasons, but you're going to have to have stamina. I'm going to be interested to see, how many players play all five sessions, yeah. uh, the two on Friday, two on Saturday, and then, of course, Sunday singles, because you might not have as many as you think. Uh, it, yeah, it's, I think it's a big talking point where we'll have to get into, Wes. And I, the only other thing I want to add on to that is not only the elevation changes, but it's not like it's going to be cold out there either. It's not, it's yeah. not supposed to be burning hot, but, it, you know, in the 80s Fahrenheit-wise, at least in the afternoon. So it's not like it's going to be it's not like it's going to be cool while they're while they are uh, walking this course for, you know, which could be two rounds in a day. Yeah, absolutely. And and with the elevation, you get a lot of uneven lies. You get some blind shots, blind tee shots, also blind approach shots. This course is interesting, too, because it's got a, a very much a, an agronomy mixture here, if you will. Pasfalum fairways, uh, pure distinction, bent grass greens. So the greens are relatively smooth. But as we always see when uh, the Ryder Cup is played in Europe, the greens are going to be slower then certainly the Americans would like. Certainly the Europeans prefer the slower greens, I think, than the Americans. Uh, there's water on the layout on five different holes here. It's not your typical, like, tree-lined course that you'll see mostly in Italy. And also, uh, the, the fairways are relatively narrow here. And, yeah. and the Europeans, of course, uh, the home team gets to kind of trick up uh, the course the way that they want. Uh, so, you know, the Americans certainly did that at Whistling Straits. And I think you're going to see Luke Donald and the European side do that here. They've been grow They've been growing the rough out because, you know, they want the thicker rough. They think that's going to play to the advantage of the Europeans. Even if you look at though at the European side, more often than not, the Americans have maybe more of the bombers, but actually it's the European side that I yeah. think has maybe more of the big hitters <laughs> with the addition of Ludwig Aberg and Nikolai Hoygaard, who absolutely hit it a mile two rookies on the European side. So, you know, it's not your typical, okay, the Americans got all these like long hitters and whatnot. Uh, so, it, so it's actually, I think pretty even from that regard, fairway whiffs uh, vary, you know, they could be, as low as 18 yards wide to 26 yards across. Yeah, which which is real narrow. I mean, we 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 talked about some narrow courses before. 18 yards is real damn narrow. Yeah, and and look, this isn't like U.S. Open rough, but it is fairly penal, and and it's fescue. Like I said, mixture of, yeah. of different of different grass types here. You know, it's not like it's hey, this is Bermuda throughout, or this is all bent grass, or this is all pasphalum. You know, I think the other the other note I just want to add on to that, Wes, is, is the other note that I kind of that kind of jumped out to me when I was re reading up was that the, you know, the rough will will not be, you know, whether it's the type of grass like you're you're discussing or how it's patterned is not going to be really any uniform style whatsoever. So there's going to be some patchy looking stuff that these guys could be hitting out of or up against or whatever that could uh, create some very difficult shots. Yeah, no question about it. So, uh, you know, that that's what you want in a Ryder Cup, though. You want twists and turns here mm -hmm. and you want, uh, you know, 
guys to get into trouble and see how they can figure it out. Now, the greens that I was talking about earlier, they're they're relatively big and, mm-hmm. you know, they've been described as pretty immaculate, not not like a lot of bumps, pretty pure, pretty true putting surfaces, but they are going to be a little bit slower. And and that's where I think the Americans, you know, have to adjust a little bit because typically on the DP World Tour, you get a little bit slower greens than you do on the PGA Tour. So right. that's something that's certainly going to have to be adjusted. Uh, uh, I think uh, the approach play also does take a little bit of a backseat this week just because you have a lot of drivable par fours. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see some risk rewards. So they're going to, you know, say, okay, in some of these matches, these guys are going to go for it in that regard. And then some are going to play, you know, if you have like a little bit of a shorter hitter in terms of like a foursomes or pairing or something like that, where it's like, okay, we're just going to lay it up, you know, for a wedge. So guys are going to take, I think, really different approaches this week. So that's what makes it even more intriguing. Yeah, I think a big, big risk, risk reward type golf course, which I think that's what you want in these type of Ryder Cups. You know, I mean, you want to see the drama, uh, you know, and some of these teams coming from behind and some of these guys coming from behind and possibly winning. So I think I think we are going to see a lot of that this week. Just to run through in case anybody who hasn't hasn't seen the full rosters out there, just to run through those quick. Uh, you will have uh, on the U.S. side, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark, Max Homa, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, and Sam Burns. On the European side, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Robert McIntyre, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Sepp Straka, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, and then Nikolai Hoygaard and Ludwig Eberg that you brought up uh, earlier, Wes. I think those rookie additions will be interesting. Uh, just to, getting back to the course, usually on long shots, you'll hear us talk a lot about uh, model different statistical modeling that we're doing week in and week out throughout the PGA Tour season. Uh, Wes, I don't know how much you did. I always like to, almost no matter what what tournament we talk about, I always kind of lay out still some stats that I'm going to look at. It just really, and then and then I'll kind of model it. It just kind of depends on how much I'm going to actually follow my follow my model or not um and you know i I think for for this one it was it was heavy focus off the tee for me i think like Mm -hmm. you talked about you do have the drivable par fours but we're talking about very very narrow fairways and some other spots so looking looking at the guys that have been hitting it consistently down the fairway uh over a longer period of time i think that's something else we should bring up if you are doing modeling or looking at any kind of stats in the fall you have so much less data to really uh, pull from and it's going back further time period. So I'm looking at, you know, last 50 rounds is really usually around what I'm looking at for, uh, at least for the Ryder cup here. Uh, so, I mean, really everything off the team T I think distance and accuracy are going to be important. If you have to lean one way or the other, probably I'd give the, the tip to the accuracy a little bit more. Um, then yeah, strokes gained approach did look at, looked at 175 plus yards, uh, 200 plus yards as far as some of those proximity ranges we talk about uh, scrambling around the green. Look, this is we we talked a lot about how ugly the rough is, how narrow these fairways are. They, that around the green play is definitely going to come come into play uh, here on this golf course. And then with the large greens, one of the things I always like to look at is three putt avoidance. Uh, put that in there, and then birdie or better. Just simply, you got to make birdies to win this. So I kind of plugged that all in, and you know, I, I don't think much of a surprise with some of the names uh, that I saw at the top. Is there how much of that did you do this week? Is there any 
you know, tips you have for anybody out there, how much you should follow that stuff or stay or maybe stay away from it this week. I actually did very little this week okay. because you, you are going to have the unique part of the fact that you have pairings here and you mm-hmm. have, you know, different players that bring that bring different things like you might have. Let's say you have more of like a, a longer hitter with an accurate hitter, like Brian Harmon being an accurate hitter. And he's paired with a, a Wyndham Clark or somebody like that that totally play the game like a different way. Now, I think the stats that you laid out, I think are, are, are appropriate here. I think off the tee is a little bit more important than approach. If you're looking at approach, maybe, you know, weighing a couple of the proximity buckets, if you will. And I think the ones inside a hundred yards, especially, you know, with those, with those wedges, because I think you are going to have, and I'm not even talking about like the drivable par fours, but you're going to have some you're going to have some short wedge shots inside of 100 yards uh, this week. Just looking at, you know, some of the, you know, I, I, what I would say, shorter par fours. Right. you know, yeah. the ones that are like right at 400 yards that aren't drivable. But, you know, that they can take dead aim off the tee if they so choose. Now, there's danger, obviously, with the narrow fairways. But, you know, those are the ones where you're going to see, you know, 80, 85, 90 yard wedge shots. So. You know, that's where I thought you wanted to weigh a little bit more if you were looking at approach, even though I think that approach is probably the smallest of the three this week, because I think what you said about around the green and scrambling, you know, which often can kind of get overlooked, but I don't think it, it should this week necessarily just because the rough is thick around the green. So you're going to have some really difficult chips, uh, uh, now it is paspalum in terms of the fairways. So if you're chipping from the fairway, that's a little bit easier, I think, uh, uh, to chip from because it runs a little bit more pure. But I think around the green and scrambling is going to be a lot more key this week. Uh, you have bunkers that are in the kind of sloping greens, and that makes it very difficult. If you look at some of the Italian Open data over the three Italian Opens that have been held here, the scrambling and the around the green proximity have been tougher than most of the average DP world tour courses that are at least regularly on that tour year to year. So you got to manage your speed in the putting. You got to manage the slope. There are some undulations, even though the bent grass is pure, there are some undulations in this green. And then you have greens that are kind of divided into tiers. So you can get a lot of three putts here. It actually has a pretty high three putt rate outside of 18 feet. So those are things that you're certainly going to want to look at this week a little bit, but I don't think you need to like over model like you might in a regular, like PGA tour event where it's like, okay, here's what we got fairways gain, you know, however many percent strokes gain off the tee, however many percent accuracy, whatever percent. So you don't necessarily, I think have to do that this week. That might be a little paralysis by analysis or analysis by paralysis. I should say. Yeah, I think even when we talk, when we talk any of these fall events or when you get early into the PGA Tour season, I think it's always something you need to take a little little bit of emphasis off of that. Uh, Wes, let's do this. Well, let's take our break here. When we come back, we'll talk over some of the some of the match play records that these guys have and some of the outliers uh, that we see with it within some of the teams. And, and then you and I will play the fun game of of uh, guessing what we're going to see teams looking like in the first day, on the first day or maybe the first couple of days. Then we'll go over all our bets. We'll do all that when we come back on long shots. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Long Shots. Kelly Bidlin here, Wes Reynolds here. We're talking the Ryder Cup, getting ready to go here on Friday, starting off three rounds of action that will get Friday through Sunday. Um, Wes, let's talk over some of the match play records. We just talked about what, what the course is going to look like, what kind of stats we're, lo- we're looking at. But this is, you know, this is not stroke play. This is, this is match play, different style of golf that we're going to get. And I... Who are some of the guys that jump out to you whenever we talk about match play, whether whether it's the Dell every year uh, or, or, you know, or we're talking about President's Cup, Ryder Cup. Who are some of the guys right away that you think of as as guys that you want to target playing on in, in, in those type of events and maybe guys you want to start looking to fade? Yeah, and I, and I think you have to look at, you know, some guys are really good foursomes players, some guys are really good four ball players, and some guys are good singles, and then some guys are good at two out of three or all three. You know, when, when you look historically, Team USA, and I think I, I had that in my piece that's going to be up at vcin.com, historically, Team USA is better in terms of the singles. Uh, and if yeah. you go all the way back... Uh, uh, from like 1979 to 1999, Team USA, I think, won nine of the 11 single sessions, but only four of the last 10, though. So Europe has gotten better. But historically, Team USA usually gets more of the points on Sunday. But when you look at the, uh, you know, teamwork making the dream work here, uh, Europeans have been better at the foursomes and the four balls and especially the foursomes foursomes, by the way, is the alternate shot Four ball. Obviously everybody plays their own ball and mm-hmm. you take the best score as you described uh, a little bit earlier. So when I'm looking at some of the guys who have been historically better in singles and I only included in my column, the Ryder cup singles, but you can also, you know, find career singles. That means like, you know, at the Dell match player at the president's cup or, or the hero cup where they did a a European, they did, I think great Britain and Ireland against continental Europe. Uh, So, you know, when you look at the guys who have been the best, I think singles players over the years, Scotty Scheffler, clearly now a lot Mm -hmm. of that was from Austin country club where he won the match play, uh, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, and I'm just looking at in terms of, in terms of the singles. Those are the guys that have been the best. Now, a, a guy that has not been good in singles has been Jordan Spieth. He's 0-3 and one in the Ryder Cup, and he had not won a Presidents Cup singles match either. I think he'd only won one of four, and the one he won was last fall against Cam Davis uh, down there at Quail Hollow. So historically Spieth has not been good at singles on the uh, American side in terms of the European side. 
you know, Rory McIlroy has a ton of experience in, in Sunday singles. I remember mm-hmm. he, they had a bad Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, and he was emotional uh, winning that match on, on Sunday because they knew that they that they were just outclassed. Uh, he and John Rahm probably historically have been the best singles players. But when you, when you really look, uh, Justin Rose has had an excellent record, especially in the alternate shot, which is the foursomes. Yeah. He has been excellent in this format. So those are guys you're going to want to look at, I think, match to match. Obviously, Tommy Fleetwood has had a good matchup in foursomes and four ball. A lot of that came uh, courtesy a few years ago, uh, 2018 at Le Golf National in Paris. When uh, remember Mollywood, uh, Francesco Molinari and Tommy <laughs> Fleetwood, where they won all four of their matches. By the way, Francesco and his brother Eduardo, two vice captains here for Team Europe, not playing this week. So be interested to see, uh, you know, if Tommy can duplicate that success with the with the new partner. But those guys historically good. But some of these records in the Ryder Cup too, you got to keep into context a little bit, like. Victor Hovland has one Ryder Cup, and he went 0-3-2 at Whistling Straits. Mm -hmm. We know that he's better than that record, so it is hard to say. Matthew Fitzpatrick, I don't think, has ever won a Ryder Cup match yet. Uh, You know, he was was winless uh, uh, last time at Whistling Straits. So, you know, these guys are much better players, so you don't want to put too much stock into that necessarily because you know sometimes your first time you don't play well right. and then there are some guys their first time they play great like when Patrick Reed uh was a core member of this team and you know was a Ryder Cup rookie and he and Spieth I think were the best team for the Americans that year a losing effort at Glen Eagles back in 2014 so yeah, I mean, there are different pairings that, you know, that you want to look at. Some guys are much better in singles. You know, the guys I mentioned uh, earlier for USA, yeah. clearly. Yeah, Ron Close, uh, who does some great work for Betsburts, uh, he put he put together a good compilation here of uh, kind of career match play records for these guys, whether, you know, whether it was the Dell, President's Cup, Ryder Cup, all this stuff, and just some of the ones that do jump out, you know, a bunch of the guys that you did bring up. I mean, Scotty Scheffler, 16-5-2 in his singles matches, career team matches, four ball or foursomes, 1-2-2. Two, and two. Um Patrick Cantlay, 11-6-2 in singles, you know, 6-3-1 and one in his career teams. Andrew Shoffley, pretty similar. I think there is, uh, you know, when you get down to Spieth and Justin Thomas, and we often talk about those two guys being, you know, core members of, the, uh, you know, of this USA team. Well, that's where you see actually some more team success. Jordan Spieth, 17-17-4 in his career singles, 26-3 in team uh, mm-hmm. uh, matches and then Justin Thomas 11 15 and one in singles 14 two and three in team matches over so if you're wondering career. why Justin Thomas I know that was the most controversial of the picks for Zach Johnson yep. if you're wondering why he gets selected look at that Ryder that. Cup record six two <laughs> and one and look at the President's Cup record yeah uh, you know because some of that singles record that's not as good is because it's match you know part of the Dell match play and that stuff but in team competition this guy's been an ace yeah no absolutely and, and then you nailed it before when t- t- uh, talking about europe i mean the only three guys on on the european side that have winning singles records are are rory rom uh and justin rose and justin rose just barely actually in singles so uh yeah you're get you're getting a lot of that um 
any speculation because I think this has to do a lot with bets, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about our bets here coming up. Um, speculation on what you expect day one teams to look like because I think there this is really fascinating, especially when you start to talk, um, especially when you start start to talk the European side, where I think you've got you know the you've got Rory, Rom, and Vic at the top, and who they're gonna be paired with, I, I think is going to be. Uh, let's put it this way. If you could guess these all right, you, I think you could make a lot of good money here in these first uh, first couple rounds. Yeah, I'll start with Team USA first because I think it looks to be a little bit more cut and dry. Obviously, there'll be some nuances, but we know we know that Cantlay and Shoffley, I think that they're the A team for Team USA, yeah. and I think that's been proven over the last Ryder Cup, last couple President's Cups. So they're probably, I would say, are going to stick together regardless of the format. Like, they're going to be a foursomes duo, and they're also, I think, going to be a four-ball duo. So they're going to consistently play together. So, okay, you know, we'll that's get my that. guess. That's my guess, too, Wes. How many How many do they play out of the possible four? How many sessions out of the right. possible four do they play right. together, do you think? Right. Three? I, I, I think at least three, because okay. that's, that's the thing, and we'll get into that, you know, in the final segment with the pick segment. Uh, you know, you have to speculate when you're betting these, uh, you know, low point score markets, you know, who's going to play all these sessions. And right. that's why, you know, you're not necessarily probably using like a Sep Straka mm-hmm. or you're not necessarily using uh, uh, a Brian Harmon uh, per se, you know, because you don't know how many or, or you know, or Ricky Fowler, I should say. You don't know yeah. how many that they're going to play in terms of sessions. Uh it like be, be just because this course is so is so demanding. Uh, like you didn't see hardly anybody play five sessions in the Solheim Cup. Obviously, a much different event. But you know, in in terms of the weather and just in terms of this hilly course, uh, yeah, I, I think Cantlay and Shoffley pretty much stay together. Okay. Uh, uh, now they're doing these practice pods where you know you get some clues in terms of who's going to play together. I think we know that team's going to be together. I think we know like Homa and Morikawa are going to be a foursomes team, maybe yeah. not necessarily a best ball team. So they're going to play together in, in the alternate shot. Uh, Spieth and Thomas, I think for the most part may stick together. They may split them a little bit in, in, in like the four balls. I think that they would take together in terms of, of the alternate shot though. Mm-hmm. And then, and then there's been some speculation. I think Scheffler burns probably in the Friday foursomes, but maybe not in the four ball. You might see Scotty with like somebody like Brooks yeah. in, in the, in the four ball in the afternoon session. But I think Scheffler burns burns, I think got on this team a lot because he pairs pretty well with Scotty Scheffler where Scotty, you know, has been shaky with the butter pretty mm-hmm. much all year. And Sam Burns has been very good. So when I looked at the foursomes, I would think Scotty and Burns, Spieth and Justin Thomas, Xander and Cantlay, Homa, Morikawa are the early Friday pairs. In terms of the Europeans, it's a little bit more speculative. I think Rory and Shane Lowry, probably pair together uh, because they've been in the same practice pods pretty much every single day. Uh, Victor Hovland and uh, Ludwig Aberg, they may send Ludwig out in that first session. I think, I think okay. Luke Donald's got a lot of confidence in him because he played with Ludwig, I think for a couple rounds at the rocket mortgage classic in Detroit. And, you know, got off to a really good start. I think that was like his first or second event, by the way, as a professional. And, uh, 
you know, was really impressed. So I think they're going to trust him. Uh, uh, John Rom, Terrell Hatton, which would that could that could be explosive. Oh uh, it's like my favorite but, team ever. Come on, oh my yeah. god, I love, I, I love the emotion. <laughs> I, I I hope they have the mics open. <laughs> yeah, uh, for real. <laughs> uh, uh, certainly there. And then maybe 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 Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of it fits. who he would. Yeah, maybe Fitzpatrick or. Yeah, maybe maybe a combination of the three. Maybe it's Fleetwood with Fitzpatrick, or it's uh it's Fitzpatrick with Justin Rose. I don't know if you really want to yeah. sit Tommy Fleetwood in the alternate shot, uh, considering you know he won all four matches last time on European soil. So uh, and he's been uh, so good recently too, right? Like I, yeah. I feel like it's gonna be hard to I, Hatton and Fleetwood. Maybe maybe two. I, I don't, the whole, it feels like the whole Ryder Cup might end up landed on those two guys' shoulders. The two guys who, uh, you know, what, racked up so many second place finishes. And I know this because of how many times I bet these guys. Uh, but, yeah. you know, of, of all the close finishes over the summer, these guys play really good golf, but never, you know, you're struggling to ever pick up these wins. And I, I, I don't know. I could just, I feel like the perfect Ryder cup could play out where it's, it comes down to those two. I uh, really have yeah. some big, moments. yeah. And, and, and one change that could be made, maybe Lowry sits alternate shot and he plays four ball with Rory. Mm. Uh, so you could have like maybe Rory and Rose or, yeah. or Rory and, 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 and Fleetwood. But I think Rose is going to play in the foursomes though. Cause I mentioned how good his record is seven, two and one in the Ryder cup and foursomes. He's much better in foursomes than he is in four ball, even though, you know, a uh, push record four and four in mm-hmm. four ball. But I would expect probably Rose is going to play alternate shot. Fleetwood's going to play alternate shot. I don't know the combinations though. So when you think, okay, when we get to some of these markets and look, DraftKings has a billion posted, but when you're looking at, uh, you know, there is, I'll just go to the USA ones real quick. You had top USA points, uh, point score. You could go top USA captain's pick top USA rookie. There's a bunch of these different ones and then all the same ones on the European side. The only one, the only thing I want to bring up, cause I think it's worth a discussion is longer odd shots on guys like Sam Burns and Lud- Ludwig Aberg, who I think do, you know, at least Aberg's been talked about a lot as you know, here recently about possibly making making into one of those pairings like you brought up. Do you think there's any value in betting these guys in some of these markets and some long odds? Yeah, a- absolutely. So, uh, you know, Aberg, I think, uh, you know, I could see him going out in the first session because I'm trying to think, okay, what rookies are going out yeah. in, 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 the, in the first session? Uh, Aberg, certainly, uh, certainly uh, Homa uh, is going to be out, I think, with Morikawa. Now, in terms of the four balls is where they're really going to split it up because, you know, I don't think you're going to see Scheffler Burns in like every single every right, single and I and together. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's like, going to be. I think you're going to see them together. F- yeah, together for the foursomes. I don't know about the four balls. I in in the biggest reason I say that Wes and you know I don't I don't want to speak for you. Bigger big, biggest reason I say that is just how deep and talented this U.S. team is. Right, like that mm-hmm. is that's the. I think that's where these teams overall become interesting. Where Europe Europe is so top heavy. And yeah, you know, they probably have three of the four best guys out there with, you know, with Rory, Rob and Vic, but then they don't have quite the depth that the U S has. And I think that's where it gets really interesting. And we'll talk about with some of our bets that we made, but like, I think some of those top Euro guys are going to have to go. Oh, if they don't go all five, they're going four. Uh, you you know, know, they're going at least four and they might have to go all five. 
yeah, like you know that probably uh, uh, Rory and Hovland and John Rom, you would think they're going to play four matches at mm-hmm. least for sure. And on the U.S. side, I think Xander and Cantlay. By the way, that's a match I'd love to see. Uh, uh, Xander and Cantlay against Rom and Hatton, uh, the two yes. hotheads against the two <laughs> guys that give you nothing. Yeah. Xander and Cantlay like hardly even break a smile yeah. on, on the course. So I, I would love to see that. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, you're gonna you, you're gonna. That's where you got to with these point scorers. Uh, especially, you know, low point scores. Now, low rookie is a little bit different because typically rookies play a little bit less. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the low point scores, you know, going with those big guns, they're at least going to have to play, I think, for uh, the practice round groups, by the way, on Tuesday uh, today for Team USA because they go out in four groups of four where Spief, and, Spief Thomas can't lay Shoffley in one group, Morikawa, Homa, Harmon, Fowler, and then Scheffler, Kepka, Clark, and Burns were the Tuesday groups. Uh, for Europe, it was Fleetwood, Straka, Lowry, McElroy, and then Rahm, Hatton, Hovland, and Ludwig Aberg, and then Fitzpatrick, Rose, McIntyre, and Nikolai Hoygaard. Mm-hmm. So, I, like, like some, like something like that. Like, I could see like McIntyre and Hoygaard being like a four ball team for team Europe uh they go out in the afternoon session where it's like okay we got two rookies yeah. we're gonna sit them in the morning and then have them go out they're two long hitters maybe make a bunch of birdies so yeah it uh, the guys that are the established ones I think the established teams especially for the American side are going to be sent out in the foursomes because I think Zach Johnson kind of you know wants to know what he has with these teams. Yeah, real quick, just uh, for some of those rookie odds: top USA rookie Max Homa plus one sixty, Wyndham Clark plus two sixty, Sam Burns plus two sixty, and then Brian Brian Harmon is five to one. He's kind of the long shot there. On the European side, it's Aberg plus one sixty five, Straka plus two seventy five, Hoygaard plus two seventy five, and Robert McIntyre is four to one. All right, when we come back, we'll get to all the bets that Wes and I have made for the Ryder Cup. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, welcome back to Long Shots. Kelly Bidlin here, Wes Reynolds here. We're talking everything Ryder Cup. Wes, let's get to the good stuff. What have we bet so far for the Ryder Cup? And I know a lot of our bets will come, uh, you know, when the event's going on and when we actually know what some of these team matchups look like. But what what have you bet so far? Yeah, just a couple props uh, uh, so far in terms of mm-hmm. low point score. Uh, 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 Xander Schauffele, for me, I bet at plus 650 to be the low USA score and then 15 to one to be the overall low score. Uh, I think he's going to play four matches. He at least should play five really played some decent golf uh, uh, to close the season. He's going to be paired with Cantlay throughout. So yeah, you could use Cantlay. You could certainly make an argument for him to be low point score for team USA. But I think Xander's just been a little bit better on the greens uh, uh, than Patrick Cantlay really throughout the season. And yeah. usually Patrick can't lay a very good putter, but I think that's why maybe he didn't win this year because maybe he just wasn't as sharp on, on the greens. Uh, still a great driver of the golf ball, which you have to be just overall, not even necessarily just being a big hitter, but a of a combination, I guess, of distance and accuracy. And Cantlay and Shoffley, I think, certainly have that. Yeah, I'll add on there, Wes, because I actually share share a bet with you. I, I was really stuck I, trying to decide between Shoffley and Cantlay. And I'm not going to lie, but it would... Uh, I, I saw your article come in my email and read up on it quick and saw you were on Xander Shoffley and you tip you tipped my hand though over over that way. I was like, all right, I'll go Shoffley instead of Cantley. I do really think I think it's really hard to pick between these two guys, but they are I think my two favorite in that market as well for top you know, top American point score. Um I, I think you're right. I think you're gonna see a lot of both of them. I think there is a chance that uh I think there's a chance Cantley <laughs> runs really damn pure here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, we talked a lot earlier, you know, earlier in the pot about some of the scrambling being important and stuff like that. There's a chance a guy like Cantley though, just does go out there and hit, you know, bombs it off the tee into narrow fairways, gets a clean approach shot into the green. And, you know, he's playing easier golf to sit than some of these other guys out there. I think there is a possibility of that, but I Xander's overall game to your point is just in a better place right now. So I, I joined you. I, I bet him top American did not bet him top point scorer, but did go top American. So I am on uh, with you on that one. On the European side, and I certainly could have made an argument for John Rahm. I know there's a lot of guys I respect out there that like him to be the low Euro scorer, but I did go with Victor here at plus 550. Look, right now, even though he's not number one in the world, if you're saying who's playing the best golf, who's the best player in the world today, I would probably have to say Victor Hovland just because of how he has played. Uh, yeah. Didn't win a match uh, two years ago at Whistling Straits. Did get a couple halves. It was 0-3-2, and two, but he's a different player now. He was a Ryder Cup rookie at Whistling Straits. That team got overwhelmed and overmatched, and I think was just very much out-talented, especially toward the bottom end of the roster. But he's a different player now, so I thought plus 550 was worth it on Victor. And then I did one rookie score, and I did it on the American side. I went with the longest shot. I went with Brian Harmon at five to one to be the low rookie point scorer, uh, despite the fact he just achieved his career milestone at age 36. So very much a quote unquote late bloomer. And maybe that's Brian Harmon's ceiling in terms of his yeah. career. He kind of reminds me a little bit of his captain here, Zach Johnson, you know, a guy that's just not a big hitter off the tee but kind of gets the most out of his game. Now, if he gets the most out of his game like Zach Johnson did, then he's had a hell of a career because Zach Johnson's a two-time major champion and won 12 PGA Tour events. Uh, So Brian Harmon should hope to be able to post those results when he is done. But, you know, he's always good in the match play there at Austin. I know Austin is a kind of a shorter course, but 
he he's I think uh, he's only lost four of 12 matches uh, there. So he's eight and four uh, career in the match play there in Austin uh, uh, won the U S junior amateur. Now that was 20 years ago. Keep in mind, but that's a match play event went unbeaten in the Walker cup in 2005 youngest ever to play in the event uh, won 2.5 points from four in the 2809 edition and then won all four of his matches at the uh, Palmer cup in 2007. So like the Walker cup and the Palmer cup are like for amateurs basically early in their career. So Brian Harmon, despite the fact he doesn't have any Ryder cup or president's cup experience actually has a lot of team golf and yeah. a lot of match play experience. So I thought five to one was kind of worth it. I understand why Max Holm is the favorite. He's the highest ranked of the rookies. He's certainly going to play both foursome sessions with Colin Morikawa. And obviously, you know, as a higher end talent player, certainly than Brian Harmon, but I thought Brian Harmon was worth a shot there. Low rookie at five to one. And then, uh, uh, the grand finale in terms of winning. Look, I understand all the movement on Europe, and I, and if you've got the value, if you've got the one seventies and the one sixties and one fifties on the plus side for Europe, good for you. You've got good bets. It, they may not win, but those are damn good bets because it's going to close way shorter than that. But I think it's gotten too short now, and I'm seeing some even money now on Team USA to win the Ryder Cup. I think the 30 year streak going to get broken here. Uh, uh, Kelly, I just, All right. I, I, I look at the team Red, and, white, and I blue, think, baby. I think the movement has been justified, but now we're getting to a point where I think that, you know, it's fair to come in on team USA. Yep. This is by the way, despite the fact that you have a couple big names that didn't make this team, you know, Tony Finau didn't make this team, Cameron Young. We thought those two guys, you know, at the start of the year were going to be locks mm -hmm. to make this team. And you have a Wyndham Clark and you have a Brian Harmon, you know, both major champions. This is the deepest and most talented team that the Americans are going to have brought over to Europe in the past 30 years. Uh, and there are some that would call like Harmon the weak link. And it's like, he's the open champion. Yeah. That, you know, that, he has that, that person would be me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if, if he's the freaking weak link, then this is a pretty damn good team. It's and sad, you look man. at, you look at some of the rosters though, over the past 30 years where the Americans have taken guys. And I, I hate to put, you know, you know, bash on players, but, you know, you're not exactly bringing over Brett Wetterick and Scott Verplank and J.J. Henry and Vaughn <laughs> Taylor and yep. my guy from Indiana University, Jeff Overton. You're not bringing these guys. You're bringing in all-class players. Mm -hmm. You have, of the 12 members of this team, you have seven major champions. Yeah, and insane. you have three others, by the way, who are not major champions, that being Cantlay, Shoffley, and Homa, who are all three ranked in the top seven in the official world golf rankings, who have all at least won big events, maybe not majors as of yet, but this is a deeply talented team. And, you know, one of probably the lower ranked players, you know, on this team would be Ricky Fowler. That's guy that's won the players championship and has won big events. So, you know, you don't have guys that are like, eh, they kind of barely make the team here. Or, you know, maybe they won like some random event on the PGA Tour. So we're going to take them here. This is a really talented team, I think, this time around. And I just think the price moved too much for me to not take Team USA. Like if now if Europe defends or, you know, you, keeps their streak going 30 years in a row or 30 years on European soil, I wouldn't be surprised, but my bet is with Team USA, and you can get it 
in the market in a three-way market at even money some places yeah i i'm i look it didn't have much to interject there Wes, because i think you put it all very very well i think when you take a step back and we just look at the teams as a whole as a whole this is one of if not the best american team <laughs> that we've ever seen and it is incredibly deep um, I think it's just, I think the idea is scary that in my opinion, this team could have been better if you didn't, if you didn't have guys like Brian Armand get in the way, uh, you know, I think of some other, other guys that could have been uh, more qualified here um, or better qualified to be playing on this team. I, but still, regardless of that, I, this team is, is absolutely stacked and incredibly deep. And I think it makes this a very, very interesting petting vehicle this week because you have that with the American side. On the European side, I, you know, I said earlier, I think it's, you're just so top-heavy that if you can kind of figure out, um, you know, early on rhythm, how they're, how they're going to end up pairing some of these guys together, I think there, I think there is a lot of value with some longer shots uh, down the board and maybe some of that, you know, like the top rookie market you brought up. Uh, or stuff like that. I, I, I think there's some value there. As far as the overall team betting, though, I'm with you. I think that we have, I haven't bet USA yet, but it's hit the point. It hit the point probably late last week where I was like, all right, this number is about dead on right. I, I think it's now shifted maybe a little bit too far. And if anything, there is some value on the US side. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I don't blame you making that bet at all. I think if you are getting involved now, that is the, that is the side I would be looking at me personally. Um, I'll probably sit back and wait, wait till we get through that first session, second session, maybe, and maybe jump in live then if, uh, the U S is behind, uh, but team wise, that's the only way I'm going to be playing it. As far as some of the props, I did get involved in the point score markets as well. Um, we bet we bet same guys. I actually didn't even I didn't see you, uh, your your Victor Hovland bet, so this might be boring for some people out there. But I kind of did the reverse of what you did with Hovland and Shoffley. I bet Shoffley for top American point score. I bet Hovland for top European point score, and then took a plus ten fifty on him to just be the top point scorer overall. Uh, and, and simply, I'll, the only reason I made that bet, I know I just talked about leaning towards the American side American side on this thing. I just think the pressure to play as much as they possibly can with the, with the big three at the top of the European side with Rom, uh, with Rom Rory and Hovland is it, it, that, that pressure is going to be so much. I think for those, those three to play as many of these sessions as they mm-hmm. can, that I think there's some value there regardless with any of the three of them uh, that, that you like to be the top point scorer in this thing. But as you laid it out, I've got right now, I've got Victor, Hovland as the top guy of those three. So yeah, you know, it's really why I ended up going with him like you talked about. And one point I do, I do want to interject here because I, I think it, it really all depends on what you value. I think you can make uh, arguments for both sides. The Americans, you haven't seen them since the FedEx Cup playoffs concluded really play much golf. I know Max mm-hmm. Homa and Justin Thomas played at the Fortinet uh, up there at Silverado and, and Napa Valley, but all these European guys have played, you know, they played in the, uh, the BMW PGA at Wentworth a couple weeks ago, all of them made the cut. All of them played very solid. There were quite a few of them that played over at the European masters that, you know, so they've been playing more golf. So I think maybe that's another reason why the price has kind of gotten a little yeah. bit, closer and a lot more narrow in the market however you know you can make that's that old rest versus rust it's like okay these guys have been playing while the americans haven't been doing anything well it's like maybe the rest could be good because you look at the top end european players like like rory 
like John Rom, like Tommy Fleetwood, like Victor Hovland, Terrell Hatton, Fitzpatrick. These guys all played into the finals of the FedEx Cup playoffs, too. Like these guys all played at the tour championship. So they had that full grinding schedule that the Americans did on the PGA Tour. Plus, they're adding some DP World Tour uh, spots that they've had over the last month. And meanwhile, you haven't had these guys playing. So it's like, do you think the Americans are going to be rusty? Or is this rest really good for these guys with this schedule now so compressed and all these elevated events that they played? So the schedule is not that much different with the top end players on the European side. So you wonder, hey, maybe these guys get worn down at some point. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it's interesting. I don't know if I really, if I'm really factoring that in much, you know, at least with, at least from my standpoint, much either way. I, I think it's absolutely worth bringing up, but it is, in the end, to me, it, it does just become a rest versus rust discussion, right? I, right. I, I do think that is what it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that there are, I, I trust these guys, though. These guys have the routines down so much that I, I, I think that even for these Americans that have been off, I, 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 know they, I, I know they've had in their mind the whole time that the Ryder Cup's coming up, and you, got, you, you at least need to create a schedule for yourself. And between, between the cash games that go on down in Jupiter, Florida, and stuff like right. that, I, I have no doubt these guys are going to be coming in just fine. But, but I yeah, hear the, mo- the, mo- the motivation. I mean, there's no motivational yeah. edge here. These guys want this, and these guys, I think, are all in on the Ryder Cup here and, you know, have the, the really good attitudes. It, it's just maybe a point to bring up, but that being said, I'd be surprised if that played a factor. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Wes. Well, I think we, I think we got it all. Is there any other? There, there's a billion different markets you guys can bet over at DraftKings. Wes, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss that I skipped? Because there only, are, there are only about a billion different bets you could make. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you could look at the at the winning margin. I think has been has been put out there. Now I kind of yep. find that to be a little bit difficult because I, I just I can't not see that this is going to be very, very close. Now, if you're wanting to bet a little bit of value in terms of that, then and if you're convinced on one side, then maybe you want to go by like one to three points or something like that for the uh, the final winning margin because it's always going to be price short where it's going to be like 14 to 14 or 14 and a half to 13 mm-hmm. and a half. So, you know, you just never get much value there. But yeah, there's a, at DraftKings, there's a lot of things uh, uh, to look at. You know, top captains pick point score. Uh, what what is the session score going to be? Uh, who's going to win Friday? Who's going to win Saturday? So yeah, there there there's a lot to go through here. And then plus we hadn't even gotten to the pairings, which uh, I believe will be announced on uh, Thursday. They're going to have the early. Uh, uh, obviously, they have the opening ceremony with the players and yeah. all their wives and all the dignitaries that are involved in the presentation. So those will be announced uh, Thursday, very early morning here on the West Coast. And then I think, uh, you know, early afternoon on the East Coast. Yeah, I expect uh, everything that Wes and I bet and, and Matt Brown, Matt Humans, I'll speak for them. But if any, anything all of us bet, it will be up at VEASAN.com because you're absolutely right, right, Wes. That is where the vast majority of the betting for this event will come uh, is on the day-to-day action. Uh, it's only so, only so many futures that we can go over with you now. But uh, everybody out there, please take the time. Hit that like, hit that subscribe button if you 
hopefully enjoyed our Ryder Cup breakdown. Plenty more to come as the PGA Tour uh, picks back up here on Long Shots. But for now, uh, it is Wes and Kelly saying thanks and good luck this weekend. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.